Hey everybody, it's Damara West. I'm founder of Be Well Beautiful Woman, and we provide sacred wellness spaces for female leaders and entrepreneurs so that they can heal, they can live joyously and abundantly while supporting them on their business journey. You have joined our podcast, and I have a treat in store for you today. But before we get to that, what we want you to know is that we have a Show Me the Money series coming up. That's going to be October 19th through the 28th. Make sure you mark your calendar. We're going to be partnering with phenomenal women all over the country, probably all over the world. Our lineup is still being solidified right now as we speak. As usual, we're going to bring you the best and the brightest to help you to earn more coin, to preserve your coin, and to diversify your coin. So it's something that you will definitely not want to miss. And if you haven't already, make sure that you visit us at BeWellBeautifulWoman.com. That's how you can sign up for our e-news. We're going to get that to you every single week. It's one of the ways that you can stay up to date with all things Be Well Beautiful Woman. And make sure that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at the letter Be Well Beautiful. Again, that's Be Well Beautiful. And like our Facebook page at Be Well Beautiful beautiful woman. So let me give you what you are here for. Dominique Stapleton has joined us today for a very special interview. She is a CEO, a sports agent, a financial educator, and a speaker. Her passion for sports and numbers began in high school where she recorded outstanding performances as the team's satisfaction. It was then that she realized a career in sports was her destiny. Dominique spent the majority of her college time studying abroad in Trinidad and Tobago. She then transferred and completed a BA in business administration from Bowie State University. Before founding Stapling Success, Ms. Stapleton explored the world of business and finance by working with various organizations from the Orange Bowl Committee to Carib Brewery. Dominique also co-founded a marketing technology company called Swipe Down. It was there she helped brand and manage the marketing and finances for several companies throughout Atlanta, New York, and Washington, D.C. Dominique and her company, Stapling Success, have worked with athletes in the G League, NFL, and five leagues on everything from credit consulting to tax planning strategies, creating courses such as the Extra Credit Program and Financially Fit Athletes, Dominique has been able to educate and impact the lives of countless athletes and their families. After working with athletes on their finances for a few years, Dominique wanted to offer her clients more. In 2020, she became a certified MBA sports agent. As an agent, an athlete advocated Dominique vows to be the bridge between athlete success off and on the field. Dominique, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to, to be here with you and your audience today. Absolutely, me too. So you are a certified MBA sports agent. Talk to us about what that process was like. You know, I've always wanted to be a sports agent ever since, ever since high school. I did stats for the football team and, you know, the coaches and my friends on the team would say, hey, you need to be an agent. And life took me other places, but that's always been my passion. So um, last year, it was around the summertime, I actually had um, one of my family members reach out to me like, hey, I have, you know, your cousin is going, going to um, be going into the league in a few years. And then I had another one of my aunts say, hey, you know, my daughter's thinking about playing basketball professionally. And everybody was like, when are you going to get your license? So it was at that moment, I'm like, Dominique, this, this is the time. And what better time than now to be a female doing powerful things? 
So um, you have to register for an exam. They do a, a rigid background check. You have to get finger, you have to do like a fingerprint process with the FBI and submit it and do all these different things. And then um, you take the exam. And the yeah. exam is about three hours, 50 questions. You can only get, I believe, six questions wrong. So yeah. it's it's very um, strenuous process. And then, and about a month later, they let you know if you've been certified or not. So it's definitely been a journey. Um, as soon as I figured out I was licensed, I hit the ground running and then the pandemic happened. So this has been an interesting journey for me, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we know that we're going to be out of this season that we're in right now. And we don't know when, of course, we don't know what the new norm is really going to look like for all of us. But what I know is that whatever you're doing, whatever so many of us are doing to lay the foundation, um, we're going to see the seeds that we're planting right now manifest. And so I'm, I'm so glad to know that you went through the process to get the top status, right? I'm a, an MBA sports agent. Not many people can say that. And I'm assuming particularly not many women can say that. So can you speak to the demographics of certified MBA sports agents? There are not many female um, MBA agents at all. And even, you know, they I think it was like 4% or something like that actually represent um, players on an NBA or a G League roster. So we talk about female agents being licensed and then we talk about female agents actively practicing and having um, players on the team. So there's not that many of us, there's not that many black agents either. And so, you know, this past season during the pandemic with the NFL having so many um, black agents and then agent Nicole Lynn for a second year in a row having a um, first round draft pick, it's been very powerful and very motivational to watch them um, break through the barriers and really lead the way. And I'm just coming with the next generation trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're breaking all kinds of glass ceilings. I'm considering that 4%, uh, you said, are women. But, but even within that 4%, not many of them are actually working in the field. And so what do you perceive are the barriers to um, breaking into the industry? Well, the number one thing is just misinformation. People believe that you have to have all types of degrees, you have to have a law background, you have to know somebody, and it's really none of those things. Actually, it's very simple, like I just stated. And then it's actually getting that first client. So being registered as an agent is one thing, but having somebody trust you enough to guide them through their career is another, another thing. And then it's very competitive. You have the big agencies, and they will take you know, these are rough numbers I'm just throwing out. Say they have 60% of the top draft picks. And then the other 40% are smaller agencies like myself. Well, I, I would consider mine's boutique at this point, but there are agencies that are larger than mine that are considered small in our industry and they kind of grab the rest. So it's, it's a very competitive market. You have to have the startup funds because what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, even if you work for an agency, when you're going after these athletes, you're the one that is responsible for getting them training and different things that they need, flights and different things like that. And that can that can add up very fast. So barrier to entry is really startup money, having the education and, and the drive and not being scared of competition. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love what you said about how there are a lot of times we think that things are harder than what they actually are. <laughs> and so that assumption that we make precludes us from even stepping in, from even discovering what it may take to do something. 
And so, you know, out of all the things that you could do and knowing that this is such an uh, elite spot to be in, right? I mean, there aren't many folks out there doing this work. And like you said, it's competitive, et cetera, et cetera. Why did you make that transition? Like what was calling you to do this work? Like I stated before, I've always known I wanted to be a sports agent. And I'm one of those people where, you know, I was raised not to even look at it as, you know, you're a female in a male-dominated industry or anything. I've always viewed things through a scope of everyone is equal, male, female, race, gender, whatever it is. So I'm going to go into the situation where I'm on an even playing field. So becoming an agent was just another step. It wasn't even like, now I realize when, when people call me, it was so funny. I had a... Um, a guy from Spain he actually is a director of a big program and he calls me and he's like, Hey, I'm calling for um, the agent of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, this is she. He's like, no, I'm looking for Mr. Stapleton. I'm like, no, this is, this is she. He's like, no, I think you misunderstand me. I'm looking for the agent of X, Y, and Z. And I had to literally say, I am Dominic Stapleton, agent of the person that you're looking for. How, we, how may we proceed with this conversation? And it's just, you know, that at that moment is when certain things clicked to me like, wow, you're really doing something that a lot of people do not see as a norm. But for me, it was just my trajectory. It was go through school. You, I didn't want to go to law school because I didn't want to accumulate any debt, any more debt. I actually graduated college debt-free with a degree. So um, that was something that is very important to me, not accumulating debt to get an education. So being an agent, I, I wanted to start with the NFL, but that requires a master's. And so when I was looking at my different options, the MBA does not require a master's. So I started there. Yeah, yeah. What, what a great start. And you're already representing people. And before I talk about that, um, I, I want to just latch on to something that you said, that in spite of the fact that you kept saying, I am this person, this goes to show you how pervasive bias is right? So it's a male dominated industry within the sports agent world. And you have this person reach out to you. And I'm sure that this is not the only time you've had this experience. And it won't be the last time that you have it, of course. And so and you handle it with such grace. And so I'm curious about how you do that. Um, because it can be really difficult to deal with the lived experience of um, any kind of bias associated with our identities. Uh, but the way that you just described how you engaged with this gentleman from Spain is really beautiful. So how did you get to that point? You know, I'm very humble. Um, and I realized that a lot of people, this is not a normal thing. So instead of me having that chip on my shoulder, like I'm the agent, you need my client, I'm focused on getting the job done. So if ultimately you're calling me because you want to sign one of my players or you have an opportunity for them, my job is not to poke my chest out and make a big deal about a Mr. and Mrs. situation. It's more about getting the job done. So sometimes I have to, you know, put my pride to the side. And I actually tell people all the time, there's a moment when you know that you have to stand up and break the barrier. And there's a moment where you just need to get the job done. So in that situation for me is ultimately we need to continue with the conversation. I'm going to address the the barrier or the misconception at hand, and then we're going to move forward. But if I sat there and I'm like, I'm clearly a woman on the phone and you keep calling me Mr. And I feel so disrespected, then the conversation would not have moved forward. So I'm very results um, driven. All of the players that I represent, I let, I let them know being a female might be a disadvantage in some people's eyes, but I will never put that um, onto you guys' career. I will never take that situation and skew something that can ultimately be a great thing for you all. 
and just keeping those things in mind, I think I'm very um, successful with, with the mindset that I approach most conversations and negotiations. Um, well, and you just touched on some principles that are rooted in manifestation, right? Like we can focus on the problem or we can focus on the solution. And exactly. the solution, that's where we can get creative. That's where our energy is clear. But then also this idea that what we focus on is what expands. And so I love what you're saying in that we always have a choice, right? We have a myriad of things that we can choose to focus on and all those things may have merit, but the question becomes, what does that mean for me to focus on this thing, right? And so when you talk about being strategic and timing, it's so important. And I think that sometimes people can get so caught up in, um, in justice and as we should, but sometimes that, can cripple us from moving forward in a way that really honors ourselves. And we then become a barrier for where we're trying to go in our lives. Yes, definitely. And you know, that comes with like the stereotype of, you know, the angry black woman. So if I would have teed off on this guy, then instantly, you know, he's from Spain. They have their own perceptions of Americans, their own perceptions of African-Americans, you know. So if I would have handled that situation and then maybe he Googled me and saw, then I would fit into that stereotype. So just breaking those barriers that we don't even realize might necessarily be there, but always handling a situation to where the next person that comes after you, people have a great taste in their mouth. They won't feel bad about, you know, speaking with another female agent or have to tiptoe around a situation because how I may have addressed it. So that's something that I definitely keep in mind as I, as I conduct all my business. Yeah, yeah. It's, I actually saw something on Instagram and I can't remember who it was, but they said, I am an angry black woman. Um, it, it may have been Tamika Mallory. And I was like, yes, because the, 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 the point, which is not really different than what you're saying, right? There's a lot of things that we have to be angry about. Uh, and right. There sometimes carries a responsibility and we get to choose the extent to which we're going to carry that responsibility irrespective of our lives about breaking those barriers as you talked about, right? And so one or the other is not wrong necessarily. And um, I have great admiration for the work that Tamika is doing. Um, she's doing transformational work in the equity space. And the reality is, is that we can also be mindful about how we're showing up, what this means, and still be our authentic selves. So how do you do that, right? As a Black woman, um, as, as a person in general, whatever identities that you hold, how do you maintain your authenticity in the midst of the work that you do? You know, that's a great question because um, at the beginning of my career, I kind of struggled with that. In college, my last, my senior year, um, I had a teacher and my hair has always been, my hair has been red for a few years now. And he would tell me, you're not going to get a job in accounting with that red hair. And I'd be like, well, I'm not changing it. You know, you're, he's like, you're not going to get a job in accounting with dreads. The only reason that, you know, you might slide is because they're small and they'll think that, th that they are braids. And, you know, those things used to haunt me because I'm trying to go into this profession and here it is, the person that is supposed to be guiding me through is telling me that I won't get in. So I ended up going to a conference in Miami, um, a sports and business conference. And he was like, when you go down there, wear a gray suit, wear a blue suit, blend in, you know, use your academics and, and your GPA and things like that to, to get you where you need to go. And I was like, well, no, I need to stand out because everybody's going to have a gray suit 
or yeah. a blue suit on. So I went down there and I had a cream suit and me with my red hair sat in the front row. And within the first day, I was all over the Twitter um, page of the conference. I was able to get an uh, internship from that conference out of so many people that were there that were from that area. They, they took me from Maryland to live in Miami to, to have this internship. And so from that point forward, it was still a struggle, but that's when I realized I am unique, you know? I have different things that I bring to the table. My perspective, you know, being from Trinidad, living over there, I would say almost half of my life, going to college over there, having Caribbean parents, being first generation, those are all things that bring me a different perspective and a different skill set. So I always realized that I bring something to the table. And if they wanted a cookie cutter version, they would have never chose me. And I'm a strong believer in you get what you attract. So all my players right now, I am so blessed to have a great group of players. They all get along. They're all very humble. They work every day. I don't have to deal with attitudes. I don't have to worry about, you know, a story, somebody getting arrested. I don't have to do those things. And it's because you attract what you put out. I put out great energy. I could have taken all the players that had the best stats but had the worst personalities. And guess what? They still wouldn't have got signed. So those are all things that – um I, I look at as I approach different things that I do, and I just always remember that I have to stay true to myself because once again, if you want the cookie cutter version, you wouldn't have even you would have not even came my way. Yeah. So this is so important. I, you touched on a couple things um, that I, I want to just highlight. Right. You know, first and foremost, oftentimes because of the way that we've been socialized and whoever our mentors are, um, and those mentors can look like the, us or not, right? But, but they've all been socialized to take on a certain idea about the way we are supposed to be, which is oftentimes rooted in white supremacy, right? White supremacy mm -hmm. ideas about what it means to be a professional and who gets to decide about language and dress and hair and, right, a lot of that has been driven by dominant society. And so the fact that you decided that, okay, you know, I can take this advice from this person, but that's not actually the way that I want to show up. And so the fact that you showed up boldly in your own power and you stood out, you blew up, you got um, opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have had otherwise because you really stood out. There's something about outliers. There's something about outcasts. There's something about originals that actually always makes it, they always rise to the top. But yet society tries to tell us that we actually just need to fit. We just, just get right here neatly in the box. And so, you know, we have to be so careful about who we're taking advice from because all advice is not good advice. And I think that we have to be driven by our own internal compass regarding our lives. And so it, it's so powerful what you're saying uh, and, and the fact that you knew that at such a young age. Yes, definitely. My parents raised me that way. Uh, my mother and father said, don't ever be afraid to, to speak out. When, when we moved back from Trinidad, we lived in Tennessee. And, you know, Tennessee has their own country dialect. But my sister and I, we had Caribbean dialect. So I remember days where we go to school and we'd be saying tree because it's the Caribbean way of saying it. And my teacher would say three. And we'd go through that process over and over and over. And my parents don't, you know, at a certain point, I didn't want to speak anymore. My parents are like, no, you will always speak. You will always speak your mind. You will always raise your hand. You will always ask a question. Fast forward, I get in middle school, I'm starting to get in trouble because I'm questioning everything. <laughs> and so um, I've been raised that way and, and I've always carried it. And 
you know, I had to learn how to shape it and, and make it work for me, not always be a rebel. It's not always a time to question something. It's not always a time to, to be the one to stand out. Sometimes conformity is definitely needed, but you know, just understanding those different balances, it comes with age, it comes with time, but I've always been that person to, to question the norm and I'm gonna do ultimately what feels good to me um, first. And if I fall, it's a lesson and, and I'll, I'll have a story to tell someone else in the future. Yeah, you're so blessed to have had your parents to instill that in you and to continue to instill it in you in spite of how society was trying to strip that from you, right? Yes. Um, and so that was that's so beautiful. So um, I, you, you talked about the fact that you have several clients that you work with right now. And um, even though you work, of course, as an agent, and that has its own unique context, I'm sure, but I'm also sure that there are some universal things regarding being able to get clients, right? So what are some best practices that you want to share with our audience about how to find clients and how to retain clients? Well, that's a great question because prior to having the sports agency, um, I, my financial company, Staple and Success, worked with on entrepreneurs and millennials on credit repair, debt management, budgeting, things like that. And so then we transitioned into strictly working with athletes and then came the sports agencies. So getting clients has always been something that, you know, even with the marketing agency, ultimately, like I said, you attract what you put out. But the number one thing is be your, be who you are, right? Because there, there's a million credit repair companies out there. There's a middle, um, a million coaching, um, you know, companies out there. There's a, a million sports agencies, but the, it will be that one thing that you say that connects with someone. The fact that I, I was able to tell my clients like, hey, when I moved to Miami for my internship, I had amazing credit. I had like a 670 or something like that. And to be, um, what was I like 20, 21, 22, um, 670, 680, that was amazing for my age group, right? And then within six months of being there, you know, working on a stipend, things like that, I went down to like a 520 or something like that and was able to get it all the way back up close to the sevens before I moved to Atlanta. So, you know, just having that story, people are willing to relate. People are willing to talk to me. They feel comfortable. So building that story that, uh, that attracts the client that can resonate with that is definitely important. Um, talking to your clients on a regular basis, my credit clients, I'm always texting them, hey, have you seen any changes, anything that you wanna talk about, be an open book. And if that means that you have to have a separate calendar with 10 minute um, slots for your current clients to come in and talk to you, because guess what, they'll say, hey, you know, this person, this realtor that I worked with, I was able to call her when I had any questions, you should definitely work with her, because I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions. Yeah. Referrals are the best way to get new business. Like you can do all the social media marketing, all the Google ads, all the Facebook, whatever. But the number one thing people look for is reviews, right? And they want to see if somebody they know have worked with you before. So treating those clients that you have right now the best that you can will ultimately grow your business faster than anything um, that you can do. I love that. Um, and, you know, I always say that relationships in business and in life are everything. You know, I've been operating a consulting practice for almost 13 years that I have never had to market. I mean, of course, I had a website and all the traditional things, but all my clients have been retention and word of mouth clients. Uh, and so it grew my business from a local consulting 
practice to a national consulting practice. Um, and we're at a point where like there's, you know, we've got to expand because the demand has become um, so vast for the work that we're doing. And so I love that you're saying that, right? Social media is not, social media is really queen, but relationships are king. And so, right, yeah, and, and really maybe I should say it actually backwards. Cause I feel like queen, <laughs> that's a whole other. All right. <laughs> We are actually just about out of time and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about wellness because, you know, although we support women on their business journey, we do say that wellness is the foundation by which you stand on to be excellent in everything in life, including business. So talk to us about how you take care of yourself. Wellness is so important. Um, everyone, all of our friends calls my sister the self-care queen because my sister will wake up, she'll do a facial, she'll paint her, her toes, she'll do all those things that make her zen. But for me, I'm an on-the-go, wired, I don't need to meditate type of person, but there are simple things that I do to kind of unwind, check myself, and really get back in tune with what I need to do. Like, number one thing is I love live music. So if I'm having a, a hard work week, I have to find an hour or so to either go somewhere and listen to some live music or now that we're on quarantine versus has been a thing that um, I've been listening to on, on Instagram. Just anything with, you know, drums and, and just feel good music is definitely big for me. I'm always reading. Um, reading just puts me in a kind of zone. Um, to where I'm always learning something and then I just feel relaxed like the the pressure of the world is not on me because I'm immersed in what I'm reading yeah. and um, just finding time to spend time with the people that I love the most my house is the house where if you have a problem you come over we talk about it we solve it and ultimately everybody leaves here feeling better and I I feel a lot better knowing that I help the people that are around me so spending time finding time to read those books and and you know let loose, get away from what I'm dealing with on an everyday basis, and then music all day long helps me out. Yes, that's beautiful, sis. Thank you so much. And I loved hearing about um, the ways that you're taking care of yourself. And it speaks to the unique way that all of us need to lean into wellness and that what works for one person may not work for other people. But the key is, is that we start somewhere and we start to try on all kinds of practices until we find ones that really feed us. And so Dominique, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a pleasure spending time speaking with you. How can our audience stay in touch with you? Yes, you can definitely. Um, I'm always on social media. I'm on Instagram as Dominique Stapleton. I'm on LinkedIn as Dominique Stapleton. I'm on Facebook as Dominique Stapleton. I'm not big on Twitter. So unfortunately, you Twitter fans will have to come over and find me elsewhere. You can also connect with me um, on YouTube. I'm constantly posting content on YouTube. And then check out the sports agencies, Stapleton Sports Group. And if you ever need some help with your finances, Stapleton Success is there for you as well. All right, all right, all right. Y'all heard it here. Dominique has been in the building. She's dropped all kind of nuggets. I appreciate you so much and spending this time imparting so much knowledge to our audience. Folks in the Be Well Beautiful Woman community, y'all know I love you. I appreciate you so, so much. Until next time, everybody. Ashe.